Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. Minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're following the theme, religion and violence. And the big question for today is how did Christ deal with violence? Our co-host today is Eric Hoare, and Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Eric. Thanks, Pastor Gary. Wonderful to be here on this lovely day. I tell you what, you don't get much better days than this, do you, here in Adelaide? No, well, I had a lovely weekend. I uh, was down on Sunday. I, I entered the 5K run down at Glenelg. And uh, there's a five and a ten, but I can't do ten these days. I've uh, cut down to five. And uh, I didn't realise there was a five k run down there. Yep. Oh, yes, they have these running events just uh, where they actually time you. Uh, you put a little bib on, you know, like an athlete. I should be an athlete. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, they start off and they actually automatically time you, and you can look back and see a video and photos and everything when you finish. But yeah, there was about uh, four hundred people there, and uh, they drip started us. So we started at different times. And yeah, this is before yeah, the COVID yeah, scare. Yeah, yeah. And it was lovely. I was absolutely had it at the end, but uh, yeah, I got across the line. Did you win? Well, in my age group, I did. I, I, you know, I was in the sixty to sixty-nine age group, and I got first out of four. So <laughs> <laughs> That's so impressive, go. Eric. So I do <laughs> like it. Uh, corona, uh, COVID restrictions—they're all back in South Oz. I, yeah. I was in the had to go into the the supermarket today and discovered that the loo paper's all gone again. Oh, incredible! I, I heard on the news, eh, the first day it broke that uh, Costco sold thirteen pallets in three hours, <laughs> and that was. Was limited to one per person, so absolutely incredible. But coming in this morning, uh, sorry, this afternoon for this uh, this program, absolutely incredible. The cars lined up down Hempstead Road. I reckon they were three, four kilometres long in the heat. Uh, absolutely, uh, just panic everywhere, and people getting tested. But um, my friend, Pastor David Fletcher, said that apparently you can ring up your doctor, and they ring up your whoever you want to go to a local uh, testing station. He they can make an appointment for you, and then they ring up fifteen minutes before you go, so you don't know the time, but they'll let you know, and you just drive down there. So I didn't wow. know that. Wow, that's uh, that's, 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 that's what I would do rather yeah, than being yeah. there. You know, Eric, the thing that really jumps out at me is how quickly society can actually change. Uh, mm. Do you know? To, to me, you know, we sort of uh, almost got used to COVID. Normal here, and all of a sudden, overnight, it's all changed again. Oh. And to me, it really gives a, a huge lesson. You know, overnight, your society itself it can actually change. To me, that's a that's an amazing lesson uh, for the world in which uh, we're we're living in today. Has your church recovered from the last uh, COVID lockdown yet? Well, we're we're kind of getting back into the groove. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this has knocked us quite a bit. Uh, we have quite a few senior people. There and yeah. um, you know, and also the restrictions on children um, mixing as well. But also, one of the big things they reckon in churches is actually singing uh, mm. because you're projecting your voice and the spray and everything. They 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 actually um, are warning there are actually some churches that just put the songs up and don't sing over in America. 
Okay. I just show okay. it. They don't actually sing in the congregation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a, that's something worth uh, worth knowing. Mm. Uh, now, tell us, Eric. Before we go to this week's uh, a theme and uh, and you're taking us through uh, through the study, of course. Uh, I just love to sort of pick up something. We're talking about religion and violence, but significantly, just a few days ago, Pew Research Center uh, released a report on religious persecution around the globe. Now, this one really jumped out at me because it's something that it, it's violence, but it's violence directed towards religious people. And the article, the report is actually entitled, In 2018, Government Restrictions on Religion Reached the Highest Level Globally in More Than a, a Decade. And this was uh, these were some of the things that this article actually shared. In 2018, and this is the most recent report that they've been able to compile the global median level of government restrictions now this is the median level this isn't taken the very top level on religion that is laws policies and actions by officials that impinge on religious beliefs and practices continued to climb reaching an all-time high since pew research center began tracking these trends back in 2007 the increase in government restrictions reflects a wide variety of events around the world including a rise from 2017 to 2018 in the number of governments using force such as detentions, physical abuse uh, to uh, coerce religious groups. The total number of uh, countries with high or very high levels of government restrictions has been mounting as well. Most recently that number climbed from 52 countries in 2017 to 56 countries in 2018. In the Asian Pacific region, as several instances of widespread use of government force against religious groups um, were displayed. In Burma, large-scale displacement of religious minorities continued. During the course of the year, more than 14,500 Muslims were reported by Human Rights Watch to have fled to neighbouring Bangladesh to escape abuses. Meanwhile, in Uzbekistan, it is estimated that at least 1,500 Muslim religious prisoners remained in prison on charges of religious extremism or membership of banned groups. Throughout the uh, the year, um, the uh, one of the one of the government the report continues. Um, the uh, Tajik government uh, continued to deny minority religious groups such as Jehovah's Witnesses official recognition. In January, Jehovah's Witnesses reported more than a dozen members were interrogated by police and pressured to renounce their faith. Now, of course. There's, uh, the report actually goes a long way into the issue in China as well because the issue in China at the present time is actually starting to become uh, quite horrendous for Christians there. Um, many Christian churches are actually being uh, being closed down or and worshippers are being stopped from uh, from worshiping. Now, Eric, just just help me out on this one. You know, should to to what extent do you think we should be concerned? Uh, when a freedom of religion um, doesn't affect our particular religion, whether that's uh, Christianity or whether, you know, when it affects someone else's religion, 
Should we be concerned about it, do you think? Well, freedom of religion is, is so important, but also the, min- the rights of minority groups as well uh, that you're talking about. And um, I, I truly think that if we're not concerned about this, a day will come when, and it will come. The Bible tells us that the Christ, you know, Christianity here will is, is actually will become it is under attack and will become more and more under attack. And therefore, uh, I truly think that some of these things, you know, some of these things you're reading out here, the average Joe blog wouldn't even know is happening around yeah, the world. Yeah. We don't really hear some of these things, even massacres and things of religious of righteous groups. You don't you don't sort of hear too much about that. Uh, we're sort of covered by a lot of other sort of news, and this sort of thing is bypassed, yeah. uh, which uh, which anybody would be offended for this sort of violence. In a, in a Christian or non-Christian group. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree. Look, uh, the report's actually available on not, uh, online, mm. uh, Pew Research Centre, uh, and it was released just a matter of days ago. Uh, talking about China, the report says the Chinese government restricts religion in a variety of ways, including banning entire religious groups, prohibiting religious practice, raiding places of worship and detaining and torturing individuals. In 2018, the government continued a detention campaign against Muslims holding at least 800,000 and possibly up to 2 million in detention facilities designed to erase religious and and ethnic identities according to the US State Department. Uh, do you know, to, uh, this is something that I, as I look at it, I'm just conscious that this is almost a huge wake-up call uh, to the world in which we're living today, isn't it? Yes, and you could imagine, you know, those people that have been through hardships and their families, um, you know, standing up for what they believe in, and and these things have happened to them. You know, you, uh, we've really got it easy. Um, but the time will come when, uh, as the world is changing, as we see, our religious rights will be erased away, and uh, the governments will take action to force things upon people, to uh, in in the idea that it's a protection for the country. So yeah. you'll find that organisations and groups will be um, controlled more, if you like, because. We've seen how quick it can change and how quickly people's rights can be eroded, and some of them are for the right reasons, but there will be a time when the world is shaking, not turning to God for the answer, but turning to governments and politicians for answers, and that's the biggest problem, that they try and solve it by controlling and and, and, uh, suppressing yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that that's so important. That what you actually picked up there, because I I'm so conscious that I believe our religious world is in fact changing today mm. in perceptible and imperceptible ways. Certainly in ways that we never sort of would have expected twenty and thirty years ago. And some of these things that are happening now behind the scenes, even even with trade and things to make things right. You know, we sort of can't. Um, uh, they undermined. Uh, uh, people's rights but we don't know it's actually taking place yeah. and sometimes it can just be a gradual thing that we're conditioned to it and then bang suddenly we realize hey this is what's happening you know yeah, yeah. and that is taking place now there's many many um if you go on the net and look online you'll find all sorts of things happening around the world it's quite a squ- yeah. scary time yeah yeah it, it's actually something i think we do need to uphold in prayer yes. we need to hold these people in yeah. prayer because uh, there are certainly uh, countries where christians don't have the level of freedom that we've certainly got in this country here. No, and the voices are, um, are lost 
in, yeah. in the overall picture because it's the minority groups and and this is what is happening you know so there is a warning there and and the Bible has really good advice that our faith you know even in the small things now will stand us instead for when the big things happen yeah and yeah. Uh, and yeah. and Christ is the answer to to these but when you've got a people in power that don't um, um, follow God's uh, teachings and and when you look at uh, what he says tonight is what we're talking about too handling violence and handling situations the Bible has the answer yeah and it's actually so easy sometimes to to say oh look you know his government's controlling extremist groups but of course it's the definition of what is an extremist group which is actually so significant I'm conscious that Jehovah's Witnesses in in some countries are really doing it tough at this particular time I certainly don't don't, don't agree with the theology of the Jehovah's Witness Witness group but you know one thing I do believe is that they certainly have a right to practice their religion uh, without uh, without hindrance and, and and to me I think it's a, it's a fundamental uh, belief that uh, those who hold to biblical Christianity uh, do need to to maintain mm-hmm. um, Eric look let's come to uh, uh, to a song I love this particular song it's so much about what we've just been talking about I know who holds tomorrow this is Alison Krauss and the and the Cox family I don't know about tomorrow I just live from day to day I don't borrow from the sunshine For its skies may turn to
Listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare, and Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh Day Adventist Church. And this week we're following the theme religion and violence. And the big question for today is how did Christ deal with violence? Before we go there, however, we have a gift for you, for all our listeners. And this is a wonderful, this is a fantastic uh, gift that we have for you today. Uh, today we have the uh, have the book Advent. Now, Advent uh, is written by Nathan Brown. Now, uh, the subtitle is Hearing the Good News in the Story of Jesus' Birth. Now, this book is hot off the press. Believe me, the ink is still drying on this particular book. This is a book that you'll really love. This is a about a 120-page book, but what it is is a book that comes in 31 different sections. It's designed to be read one each day through the month of December as a devotional talking about uh, the coming of Christ in preparation for the Christmas season. Now, this earlier this afternoon, I had a very real privilege. It, it was really wonderful to be able to talk uh, to to Nathan about his recently re- uh, released book. We're going. I'd just like to share with you uh, what Nathan had to uh, had to say, uh, and then we're going to be giving you an opportunity to uh, receive. Uh, one of one of these uh, these books really appreciated what uh, Nathan uh, had to say. 
This afternoon, it's wonderful to be able to uh, chat to Nathan Brown. Now, Nathan is the book editor of Signs Publishing Company. Welcome, Nathan. Afternoon. It is really wonderful to have you on board. Nathan, just uh, just last week, I, I took delivery of uh, a set of books. In fact, I think the ink was almost still wet on uh, on the books. <laughs> they're, they're, they're hot off the press. And, of course, uh, you have actually authored. Now, it's entitled uh, Advent, Hearing the Good News in the Story of Jesus' Birth. Now, Nathan, could you tell us something about this book? Yeah, so I imagine the book Advent as a basically readings for the month of December. There's 31 chapters, each of them relatively short. A time, you know, many people are familiar with the idea of Advent calendars, you know, a chocolate a day Mm -hmm. that gets you from the beginning of December to Christmas. And this idea was sort of that same kind of thing, building the expectation towards the and around the story of Christmas. Uh, And this then takes another step because the story of Jesus doesn't end with what happened at Christmas, and so it goes through 1 to 31, so if you read a piece each day throughout December, you then spend the last week exploring some of the themes of Jesus' life and his death and resurrection and the hope that he gives uh, beyond just the Christmas story. So it's focused around Christmas and then a little bit uh, further than that at the end. Okay, so it's actually divided into 31 daily devotionals. Now, how long is each devotional? Um, roughly a thousand words, so four pages. Not a huge read, but just something to keep you focused on the story of Jesus that so many of us say we're talking about it at Christmas time or in the lead up to Christmas, but it's so easy also to get busy with everything else that goes on at that time of year. And so it's an invitation to simply come back and let's refocus on the actual story that kicked this whole thing off. Okay, okay. Uh, tell me, Nathan, where did the inspiration uh, for this book actually come from? <laughs> uh, when I um, told my wife that I wanted to write a book about Christmas, she laughed because I'm a bit of a grumpy soul most of the time when it comes to Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's usually a really busy time of year. There's all sorts of silly things and even just shopping centres and some of those kind of things that, you know, they're playing Christmas carols, you know, already. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of one of those people that's just a bit, you know, bar humbug about the whole Christmas thing. But every year it grabs me when, and usually it might be just in the day or two before Christmas or maybe in a worship service or something like that, you stop and just focus on the story of Jesus' mm-hmm. birth. And just in that moment, you get a sense of this larger, you know, that this year actually is, if, if it's true, it's a truly amazing thing. And so, you know, my, I guess, idea with this book is let's try and expand those couple of moments from each December into something that we can kind of just spend some more time focusing on across the whole month. And so that's the idea of writing the book. And I kind of, one of the challenges in talking about Christmas is that you have those moments of, oh, this is amazing, mm-hmm. you know, on December 23 or 24, and then all of a sudden Christmas is over and you don't think about it much until the next December. Yeah, And, and so I was wondering how I was going to get to writing the book. And I ended up, and it was kind of part of the Melbourne lockdown, and I made, gave myself the challenge of simply writing a chapter each day for a month, and that became the book. Wow, wow. That's, that, that is an incredibly profitable lockdown. <laughs> it certainly did my soul good in the midst of a pretty tough time for myself and my community. I can believe it. But tell me, Nathan, do you, do you sense that there's a, a problem with how Christmas is currently celebrated? 
Yeah, it has its challenges, but one of and easily be critical of the commercialization and the you know, some of the silliness that seems to surround it. And even, you know, we've given up on a lot of the traditional Christmas carols and replaced them with nonsense Christmas songs. Mm. Yeah, there's so much silliness about it. But, and this is where I, the thing that I think is perhaps the greatest Christmas miracle of them all, the fact that the story just keeps being told and the story continues to shine through that, I think shows the power of that story that is the, you know, the seed in the, at the center of it. Um, that it's a story that actually still matters today and that still can catch our imagination. Sometimes perhaps not, we don't appreciate it and pause to think about it in the ways that we should, but there's still something good there in the centre of it all. And I guess this is what yeah. this book is trying to point us back towards. So do you think there's a, there's a de-emphasis on the Christmas story in, uh, in the way that we celebrate things uh, in our contemporary world? Oh, it's certainly easily to be distracted, easy to be distracted, and I think even that there's just some basic ignorance about it. But a lot of people don't know the story. For quite a few years now, it's been uh, a program that's been that began here in Melbourne, but has been run right around Australia and New Zealand called Road to Bethlehem. Yeah, that's very highly <laughs> regarded. It is, and it's um, it's just attracted tens of thousands of people um, to come and hear the story of Jesus again. Yeah. And I've had the privilege to be an actor in that over the past few years. And I think that was something that even contributed to this story is mm. to be immersed in it in this unique kind of way. And this year, because of all the challenges around the, the COVID-19 situation and some of the restrictions and rules and uncertainties, uh, we're actually doing it in a different way this year. And um, we've already filmed it and it's going to be... Um, broadcast um, online as an event that people can register for and become a part of. And um, So I'm excited about that and something that I think is a really positive thing about, yeah. you know, how and seeing how people do respond to the story when they see and hear it again. Yeah, no, I think you make an excellent point there, Nathan, because uh, I'm conscious that that road to Bethlehem has made a huge impact wherever it's actually uh, been been shown, where it's been displayed, where people have come together. And I just know the community has really gathered around that and said, hey, this is something that we actually want to be uh, involved in. And I, I see your book being a perfect adjunct to uh, mm. uh, to that type of, uh, type of ministry. Uh, so for our listeners again... This is divided into 31 daily devotionals. The idea is, is uh, read a devotional on December 1. Keep reading just one chapter a day. It'll take you through to December 31, and you'll understand the real meaning of Christmas and all that Christmas mm. does does mean. I think this is a this is a beautiful concept that you've actually put together. Do you know we have an offer for our listeners today? If you'd like, we're actually giving a free copy. Uh, this is going to the uh, to the first five people who text through to o four three eight zero double six six three five. That's o four three eight. Zero double six six three five. That's our studio phone. Just simply put uh, the title of the book, Advent. Put your name and your address, and we'll have uh, this book on its way to you. Uh, this is a fantastic book. You'll really appreciate uh, this this particular book. Uh, these devotionals that talk about the genuine, the real meaning of Christmas twenty twenty. 
Really appreciated what uh, Nathan had to share uh, with us uh, this afternoon on that particular book. And that is an offer that is available to you right now. If you would like a copy of uh, the book Advent, this is hot off the press. This is a brand new book. Nobody's got it yet. If you would like uh, your own copy, just text 0438 066635. Just simply write Advent and with your name and your address and uh, we'll get you a, a copy of uh, uh, of that particular book. Now this week we're following the theme religion and violence and the big question for today is how did Christ deal with violence? Now this is a really big one because so often uh, people in our community talk about Christianity being linked to violence. Eric, it's a really controversial issue. The Bible's seen as a as a violent book. Uh, Christ's age was particularly violent, and he died a violent death. Uh, you know, what does what did Christ have to say about this whole subject of violence? How did he react to it? Well, first of all, um, Gary, we need to look at <clears throat> what Jesus uh, meant when he talked about violence, and we picked that up in um, Matthew five thirty-eight to forty-two. These are very interesting texts because it starts off with quite a statement, quite a, a beginning, actually, uh, which a lot of people take. Uh, but then he follows it on with uh, some different thoughts um, through that passage. It mm. seems to be conflicting. These are some the of other. those. Some of those passages are taken out of context, and it's almost. It challenges um, a lot of people because they don't seem to understand exactly what Christ is getting at here, do they? No, they don't. I mean, you know, Matthew five um, thirty-eight, for instance, says, "You have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth." So, the, he, what he's actually doing is co- quoting uh, Leviticus twenty-four nineteen to twenty, where it says, "Anyone who injures their neighbour is to be injured in the same manner, fracture for fracture." eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. So That's, that's fairly violent, isn't it? It is. But when you look at it, um, what Jesus was actually talking about here was um, that the Old Testament law was actually placing limitations on vengeance. And although it says the eye for an eye, its provisional of the Mosaic law written down by Moses has often been misunderstood as requiring vengeance. Its actual purpose was to put limitations on on actually violence, on limiting uh, what was what was going to take place, because the law descri- prescribed that punishment must fit the crime. In other words, if somebody lose, lost a tooth, then they would lose a tooth. So it was actually restricting more violence. It was trying. So to in the Old it. Testament, what they were trying to do is to limit the violence that was taking place, because the danger, of course, is that if you knocked out in a, a, a brawl my my tooth, the danger is is that I'd knock both your tooth and your eye. Or that, or, or take a life. Or take a life. Yeah, I mean, you could be so angry about it, which often happens in a fight, you know, yeah, that yeah, they'll come yeah. back and slug somebody and hit their head on the on the concrete, and that's what happens. These, and, know, of course, that person days. then retaliates against the family mm. of the other individuals, and this goes backwards and forwards. Yeah, that's right. So it was uh, trying to limit... Uh, the damage that was caused by violence, but it's interesting that um, that Jesus went on to say, "But I tell you." So what he's saying is, now listen, listen to this. This is the way to handle violence. Mm. Now he's saying, 
do not respond in kind to an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. It's interesting that this um, the slapping, this this uh, the slap mentioned here, because in Bible time, it was wasn't just the physical slap. It's talking about here. It's actually talking about um, hate and insult. It's it's more rather than a physical assault. It's actually dealing with um, the secondary thing rather than the pain. It's actually talking about the hurt that it actually causes, not mm-hmm. the the hurt inside. It's talking about the emotional yeah. uh, side of things here, um, because in First Peter three nine, it says, "Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessings, because to this you are called." So they that you may inherit a blessing. So what it's saying here is that Jesus is saying that one should not let violence keep escalating because that would keep evil in circulation because when you reply in like manner, you're actually keeping the act going, the violence going. He's saying no. And you see this happening all the time with, for example, road rage going down the street, don't you? You know, Mm. you'll get one person will make some sort of a, a driving error um, that person, someone will respond by putting their hand out the window and waving with a, with certain fingers. Um, someone else will go and then result, you know, retaliate by tailgating. And then finally, we've actually got a, a massive road rage incident on our hands, you know. And what uh, Christ is doing here is talking about ways to actually de-escalate the whole issue of violence. Yeah, and he's not saying, you know, that an evil an evil person can walk all over you. This is not what it's saying here. It's talking about how the way as Christians we would respond. I mean, even Jesus in his day, um, you know, there were times... Just, there. just pick up on that because yeah. I think that what you've actually said there is something really important. In other words, the danger with this uh, um, uh, don't resist someone who slaps you, turn the other cheek, is that... a, a you know, I, some would say Christians should be or see Christians as a doormat. Mm. And what you're saying is that Scripture doesn't teach Christians and Christ. You're saying Christ was not a doormat. No. Well, you know, there was a time in the temple, wasn't there, when he stood up and he got the whip out and he, and he played around with that to drive the, the evil out of the, out of the temple. And also there was a time there too when, um, uh, when he was actually attacked. Matthew, um, it talks about it here in, um, Matthew, whereabouts are we? Matthew ten sixteen. Uh, it talks about how he stood up against evil and, um, Oh, just looking for it here. Um, and, you know, he... he um, Matthew ten sixteen. Um, yes. Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Hmm. Uh, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Hmm. 
So what it's saying here is, um, you know, there is a way of, of handling these things with with the reliance on Christ, which is so important, you know. Uh, and Jesus did that many times. Um, he stood up. I mean, he was slapped and beaten, and and often he would not uh, he wouldn't retaliate. Um, but he he took it, and uh, but he knew that you know they would get their their insult later rather than now. Um, but Jesus is saying here that no one should let violence keep escalating because there is a way to handle this. And because uh, it went on and said, said in here too, it says here, um, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. One, someone wants to sue you and take your shirt. And it's interesting that this, uh, this thing of suing uh, over your shirt, that what he's talking about here is the tunic, which was actually the underclothing. Uh, and what often would happen is uh, the uh, tunic was often used as a pledge by the poor against a lawsuit. So it's actually as though you're naked, mm-hmm. and it shames mm-hmm. the person to see you naked. It's mm-hmm. kind of a shaming thing yeah. to the person. That's what it's actually talking about here, where it says, like, give them the, the shirt off your back or give them your undergarments. It's it's to shame the person and what they're actually doing. Yeah. And this is the way Jesus talked about handling it. And then he also says here, too, about giving him your cloak. And the cloak was was uh, more valuable. Uh, Exodus twenty two twenty six says, If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I hear them, for I am compassionate. So he's saying that you're actually giving them something really valuable. Yeah. So you're handling this violence in a, in a, in a different way. You're actually um, retaliating with actual kindness. Uh, so he said there's a different way of handling violence. Instead of letting the violence escalate, you're actually turning around into the way Jesus handled things. In other words, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, what we find is there are, uh, in the Old Testament, there are Old Testament principles that is, are set in place in order to de-escalate the amount of ongoing violence that occurs on so many situations, certainly in ancient civilization and even in our civilizations today. Uh, in the New Testament, Christ comes along and he starts to say, hey, look, you know, there are other ways of de-escalating uh, these, uh, these issues. And as, as Christians, we are called, I suggest, on the basis of Scripture to actually be in the forefront of de-escalating violence rather than... Uh, increasing violence. That's right. And, you know, um, this is the whole basis of human life, that uh, if we treated one another in the way that Jesus is talking about here, uh, then, you know, the violence that we have today uh, would be, um, you know, totally uh, handled in a different way. Uh, Did you know, Gary, for instance, that um, through violence, uh, in a survey taken to 2019, that one woman dies every nine nine days from domestic violence and a man every 29 days, that 26,500 children between naught and nine were left homeless due to domestic violence you know yeah, yeah. Uh, indigenous people are 30 times likely to be hospitalized for, for 
family violence as non-Indigenous people and that one in three women and one in five men with disability experienced emotional abuse from a partner. So, you know, the the violence today that you and I don't hear of that happens in homes is is um, totally escalating and yet we find that Jesus says um, in the way to handle violence is actually not to, to strike back but to turn a person's heart, you know, and this is what it's saying here that um, that we are to be compassionate and handle it in a different way. The interesting thing, as it goes on here and talks about it, that it says if someone forces you to go one mile, uh, go with them too. And what happened in those days was that the Romans uh, could force civilians to carry their loads for a significant distance, but only for one mile. They weren't allowed to to let to actually mm, go to mm, the two. Mm. And so what he's saying is go the extra mile. We've heard that expression. That this is. It's a scriptural expression. Yeah, that's where yeah, it yeah, actually yeah. comes from, yeah. to go that extra mile for people. And so this is um, this is something that you and I can't do, Gary, is, is, uh, with our human nature. It, it's just normal to strike back. It's normal to um, to retaliate. But what he's saying here is, look, there's a, there is a different way of handling this. There's a different way of making a life better, not only for yourself but for your family, and that's handling it in Christ's way, yeah. showing mercy yeah. and grace, yeah. which is so important. This is uh, this is really key to is so much of living today because we uh, uh, certainly I go back to that uh, to that road rage uh, type, uh, type incident. Uh, you know, I uh, I am conscious that these issues are starting to multiply, whereas the principles, when put into place, really change the uh, the, the mental outlook of every driver on the road if you adopt the principles of Christ. That's right. Oh, definitely. And, you know, people take um, some texts from the Bible and, and um, uh, they think it's full of violence and, and things. But when you read these texts that Jesus is leaving us today, it tells us to turn the other cheek. In other words, whether it's a slap or an insult, uh, I know that so many people in the Christian church do get upset within the church, not through things of theology, but through personal insult mm. uh, with somebody else, an offence. And this, uh, do you find that this also happens even within local congregations? Because I know that you know, as a, as a pastor, I've you know been working with churches in various uh, capacities now for probably uh, thirty five uh, plus years, and I'm just really conscious that uh, conflict or violence. Uh, can actually happen even within the local congregation. You know, I can I can remember one or two uh, occasions where people came very close uh, to actually coming to physical blows with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can think of uh, other times where certainly there has been significant uh, emotional uh, violence uh, involved in uh, uh, in discussion, significant heat. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, this is something that does impact. Uh, the Christian Church, as much as uh, those who are who are not Christian. Well, to be quite honest, Gary, I think over the years in the Christian Church, I I think there's more. I've seen more of that uh, conflict between uh, two people within the church or within groups that have caused people to move away from Christ to lose their faith. Yeah. This is these are the big issues that we're talking about tonight about yeah. handling yeah. Uh, an insult or a perceived wrong. 
Um, uh, and Jesus is saying, don't escalate it. He's saying, yeah. you know, uh, be humble. Um, in fact, um, if we, if some people might count them as enemies, it says in Luke six thirty-five to thirty-six, but love your enemies, do good for them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So what He's saying is, look, you know, this is this is the way I handle it. This is the way I treat them. I, I'm kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, you know. And He's saying to us, don't expect anything back when you do a kind deed to somebody. Often we do it for a reward, and we put it out in the highlight and the lights. But what He's saying is, it's these things that are done. Uh, mm. That is so good that that one of the texts that actually us. really, really, I suppose, um, well, it worries me in some in some senses, and that's of course in the Lord's Prayer. You get this uh, this portion in the Lord's Prayer: uh, "Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors." You know, mm. I mean, to me, that's a hugely challenging um, a phrase. You know, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. F- Give us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, of course, the assumption there is that we want our debts to be forgiven and we're praying that we will have the God will forgive us to the same extent that we're prepared to forgive others. Now, does, does that cause any, you know, sort of mental dissonance in your, in your mind, Erica? Well, I think a lot of people would find that hard when they've been done a, a wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. We all want, um, you know, I don't know about you, Gary, but I see, um, I see people who um, have murdered a baby or something, and and they get a very light sentence, and I and they're out and they smile and they, you know, it's very hard to accept yeah. um, that sort of thing. But I understand that if our nature has changed. From uh, uh, when we're born again, when our hearts are broken, then we also will act according to what Christ's words tell us we we should act. I mean, we can read these things, but unless we accept it into a broken heart, unless our hearts are broken, then we will only talk about these things. We won't actually do them. Yeah. And I think the the evidence of a Christian person is how they act when there are tough times or when there are times that are hard. I mean, Psalms 37, 9 to 11 says, Evil men will be done away with, but those hoping in Jehovah will possess the earth. Just a little while and the wicked will be no more. It says in Romans twelve seventeen to 21, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone do not take revenge my dear friends but leave room for god's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge i will repay do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good so yeah. what we can do is when we when we get caught up in these things we can actually become like the uh uh, like the uh, if Satan's attacking us through someone else, then we can become like that person by retaliating in that way. Yeah, yeah. He's saying, "No, there's a better way. Stay on my side of the of the walk. Mm. Don't go over on the other side of the walk, but stay with me, and pray about it, and and you know, just act in kindness." People, bullies don't know. Yeah. Uh, they can't um, defend when somebody is kind, and they're not used to that. They expect retaliation. That's yeah. why they do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's saying this, and Jesus is saying in these verses here, 
that there is a better way. I tell you, uh, do not respond in kind to an evil person. That's what it's talking about here. It's talking about don't even sue them. It says do not give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So that's interesting, isn't it, to to help people in their everyday life. It's actually a totally different way of thinking, isn't it? You know, I mean, and that's what actually occurs when we get this gift of the the Holy Spirit living within us, your, your thinking processes actually change to a, a different form. They're not the same as they used to be in the past. And to me, this is a huge challenge because I'm so conscious that, you know, today, uh, so many, even those of, who are in faith, um, uh, actually naturally respond the same way that Everybody else does actually respond. Uh, you know, it, it actually says a huge amount for things like, for example, um, uh, religious violence. You know, there are those that, you know, I think in a few years ago you had uh, Northern Ireland, you had uh, Protestants and Catholics throwing bombs at each other. Mm. And, of course, you know, Scripture is so against that. You know, why is it that uh, Christian people should not or ought not uh, be involved in any form of violence. Uh, why do Christian? Why should Christian people never go and be bearing bearing arms against each other? Mm. It's because there's a different way of thinking that's actually revealed in the scriptures. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You know, Eric, when we come to realize that, in fact, what we're dealing with are principalities and powers, we're dealing with arguments, we're dealing with high things, we're we're dealing with the philosophies of this world. We're not dealing with physical things, which means that physical weapons are never going to work in the world in which we live. No. We cr- no well, let me just ask you a quick, quick question then, Gary. In your life, when you've been angry in the past, have you done things that you wish you'd never done? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the same with me. I, sometimes, you know, yeah. I, I think back on some things and I think, wow, you know, but, and it's because now we we know better. We we learn from that. But also God changes us. And I wish I could go back and change those times when yeah, I have acted yeah. in a bad way in a violent And as manner. a result, you've actually hurt yep. people. You know, yep. and I'm so mm. conscious that it's even possible to do that within a professional capacity mm. uh, because, you know, this, this violence sometimes doesn't have to be physical. Uh, sometimes it can be a word. How a word is actually spoken, uh, and you know, we, uh, I suggest that when the Holy Spirit is actually working uh, within the, the mind of an individual, the individual actually starts to to function in a totally different way to that which would be quite natural for them to actually uh, function or to work. But look, let's come to some uh, uh, some music. This is uh, Randy Travis. Above all. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nations, and all creative things, above all wisdom, and all the ways of man, you were 
were here before the world began Above all kingdoms, above all thrones Above all wonders this world has ever known Above all wealth and treasures of the earth Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginals, Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're following the theme, Religion and Violence. And the big question for today, how did Christ deal with violence? Eric, bring it all together for us. We only have a couple of minutes. Yeah, just uh, quickly, I think the point of, of tonight is do not be overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. In Mark 12, 29, 31, Jesus gives us these words. The most important one, the most important commandment answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And if we did that, there'd be no problems. Yeah. yeah. Love God first and then love your neighbors. What a huge challenge that does actually put to us because mm. what you're talking about here is something that is completely unnatural to us. And we're going to, in a week or two times, we're going to be doing with this issue of forgiveness mm. because this issue is just so key. It's, it's such a challenging issue in the day and the age, in the environment uh, that we do actually live. Mm. Uh, let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. We want to say thank you for giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we're conscious that it's only your Spirit that can change our heart, can change our mind, can change our way of thinking. Lord, I pray that you might be the reconciler of relationships. Lord, may we know how to be able to forgive, to resolve conflict without violence. Lord, may we be people of peace. May the Holy Spirit descend upon us. May indeed we be known for as being people of peace. Lord, I pray for any person who is struggling in some way today. I pray that you'd be with them. You'd descend on them by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would be with them today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we ask, was the God of the Old Testament a violent monster? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace that I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.